Today we are in week two of a four-part series that we are calling Relationship Goals. You see, relationship goals is an expression that we see in our culture where we see something in a relationship that we want to ourselves emulate in our own relationship. We see things in others and we say, man, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I'd like that for my relationship. I want that for me. So I hope to share some things with you in the series that you yourselves would want to emulate and, and model in your relationships. But this series is not only for the married folks out there. This is also for those who are dating, who are single, and even those who are ready to mingle. Come on, somebody. You may find a date in church, all right? But this is relevant really for those of you who have relationships, and I think we're all in relationships, but hopefully this series is relevant to all the relationships in your life. What I want you to see in this series is that there is a world's way of doing relationships, and then there's God's way of doing relationships. And I hope to give you some goals today, relationship goals, of how God sees relationships. So here's the theme verse for the series. It starts out like this, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world's way of relationships here. So, so the world has a way. There's a way that the world wants you to have relationships. And then the Bible comes in and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is the world's way. However, there is a better way to do it. It's my way. It's God's way. And if there's ever an area that you are to refuse the world's way of doing something, it's in the area of relationships. See, social media and culture, they're all broadcasting, throwing things in your face of how to do relationships. And the problem is, even though it's what's predominantly in front of us, and it's, it's kind of our, our, our inkling to actually go that direction, the problem is, not only is it unbiblical, but it's also going to lead you to getting hurt. The world's way of relationship always leads to hurt. And this is one of the points I want to make in this series, is that God's has a way of doing relationships. God has his own way, but he's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you, and he's trying to prevent you from you yourselves being hurt as well. But yeah, we want to say, God, I'm not doing it your way. You're just trying to take away the fun. No, no, no. God's trying to help you today. The verse goes on, but let God transform you into a new person. You see, there is another way of doing relationships. It is God's way, but it's going to require a transformation. But here's the problem. You won't want to do it God's way until you are transformed. So I have to do my best to try to help you, to, to try to convince you to do this, because you never want to be changed until you are changed, and it is then once you are changed that you realize how better your life is now that you are changed. But until you're changed, you don't want to do it. You don't want to be transformed, because you don't know how great it is on the other side of the transformation. So I try, I'm trying to help you to see how better it is once you are changed. You see, transformation is not God asking you to do something and then you doing it. Instead, transformation is when God changes you so that you now have the ability to do it yourself. You see, God's pursuing you today. He's drawing you closer to him so that transformation can take place on the inside of you. Because once you are transformed, you won't have to be told to start or to stop doing something. Instead, because you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus, because you are now transformed, you want to do things God's way. It is, it is your desire to do it his way. This is why God, I said this last week, is not a God to be understood. He's a God to be experienced. But yet we try to understand him before we experience him. You'll never understand God, I promise you. 
Just allow yourself to experience him and be transformed. The verse goes on, but let God transform you into a new person. Here we go, by changing the way that you think. That's the key. And this is where I believe that I come into play as your pastor. I can't transform you, but I can change the way that you think about some things. At least I can try to help you think about things differently so that God can come in and do his thing, which is to transform you. This is what I want to do throughout this series. I want to help us to think about relationships a little bit differently than we have been. I understand. The culture throws a way of doing relationships into our face. And it's hard to ignore it. It's right in front of us all the time. But once we think differently about relationships, then God can transform us in that area. And some of us need to be transformed in the area of relationships today. Because here's the goal. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life. And if you're wondering what God's will for your life is today, if you're wondering what God's will for your relationships today, it's this. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what he wants for you. He's not trying to take away your fun. He's not trying to take away your joy. He's trying to lead you to a place of having a good, pleasing, and perfect relationship, a good, pleasing, and perfect marriage, a good, pleasing, and perfect relationship with your kids. He wants every area of your life to be good, pleasing, and perfect. That's the kind of God we serve. See, last week we talked about communication. Or sorry, no, commitment. We're talking about communication today. Last week we talked about commitment. And, and how we are to be com committed to each other at a covenant level rather than a contractional level. And if you missed that, you can go back and watch it online. But today, we're going to go to another C word, and that is communication. We're going to talk about communication today. I think this is a big, big topic in marriages. Unless you have it figured out, I'd love to learn how. But I know this is a big area in marriages that we struggle in. And I also know it's a big area in our culture that we see play out within our world where communication is a big issue. Now, communication is a big part of your relationship, and I wonder how you're doing in that area today in communication. If you're not doing so well, I want to help you today. I want to help you in this area of communication, whether it be in your marriage or just the important relationships of your life. So if you're taking message notes, the title of this morning's message is Communication Goals. We talked about commitment goals, now we're going communication goals and some of us need this. So here we go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word today. God, would you help us, enable us to be better communicators, to learn how to do this the right way. And would you help us with it? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Today's Super Bowl Sunday. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. It's always a great day in church. You know, it's a great day. I never know what our attendance is going to be like, but because it's two teams no one really cares about except for tech. You're all in church, so I, okay, my bad, uh, security, um, which is you, I think, actually, so, uh, that's not going to be good for me, uh, so you sit front row, in case you got to tackle somebody, um, so it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I, I don't, are there, you said it earlier, but are there Chief fans in here, a few, okay, awesome, what's up, what's up, welcome, welcome to Texas, um, what about Philly fans, what are the Philly fans, you got some love. No, it's just one family. I'm sorry. This... <laughs> we were talking about how Chief fans are so nice, and Philly fans are, are usually not that nice. And so they're, you guys were like, hey, we're over here, you know, and Philly fans are like, what's up? What's up? We're going to win today. We love you. Yeah. All right. Well, um, in lieu of Super Bowl, you know, this is not a Super Bowl message, but I thought I'd have some fun because I found something that plays really well into my communication relationship message today. And so... 
what I want to point out to you is that communication is vital in any relationship. Nobody wants to be misunderstood. Check this video out. You do what I tell you. Yeah. And I say the apples and milk come back to dinner. Okay. Oh dear, your organs. Mm. I think you're cool. Don't. I also think you're. I don't want it loud. Just be quiet. Well, she's really loud. She wouldn't let me get a sonnet in. How are you? Middling? I'm great, unlike you guys. You want an empanada? They have them up there. I don't eat meat. Yeah, well, it's working for me. Evelyn brought me the virus. Yeah, um, heart attack. I have a very supportive neck. The hand towels are all about your guests. And sometimes I let my dog spit in my pasta. Why'd you even tell me that? I don't want to know that kind of stuff. It's fine. No, it's not. Hey, kid, I'm working here. I scolded you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait, they're looking to have to act like there's emotion. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Hey, you hand that thing to me? Yeah, I know I won't play like that. You play? Yeah, the trumpet. The trumpet, but I don't really play no more, man. So, like, who cares? My friend got sick, so I've been feeding him donkey milk. What is it I see outside? It's a young, jealous yeti, I think. Thinking it's like some Bigfoot thing? I don't find this amusing. Hey, Melissa. Hey, look, you're a great gal. It's just a no. The Great Ratsby. Batak LeBevins. Stormy the Lightning. Hamster Odyssey. Hey, just look out, y'all. It's a chicken. A chicken. Sequester the chicken. You gotta stop it or we might not leave here. Hey, does one of y'all have my juice? Where's that cute divorce say? She just got divorced on first day. Oh, no. What? I knew it was a mistake. <laughs> What a striking scent. It deserves another whiff. Oh my, oh, that is so bad. I mean, that is so rank. Why in the world do I just boy this foul? Oh, that's so bad. Oh, that's painful. I love it. You see, nobody wants to be misunderstood, right? And so I uh, told you it played so well into my message today. So the goal is to get you to think a little bit differently so that we can experience transformation, all right? So this, here's where I want to go today. Uh, the first thing I want to do is talk about what researchers and human behavior experts have decided are the four levels of communication, all right? So he here's the first level of communication, and try to find yourself in these four levels right here. The first is surface level communication. This is the cliches of, of communication. The, hey, how are you? Fine, I'm doing good. And that's about it, right? It's just the surface level, no depth, no intention of genuine connection, genuine conversation. This is like what the, the men have perfected is just grunt and nod, you know? This is just grunt and nod. Uh, mm, mm, so, mm, you know, just grunt and nod. Many marriages and relationships probably exist right here. Maybe you think your spouse does right here. They grunt a whole lot, you know? You see, we're just too busy. We're too distracted. We're, we're too, our mind is somewhere else, and all we can think about is just grunting, you know? All we can offer up is just this surface-level communication, no depth at all. And, and I believe, just side note, I believe that the more forms of digital communication that we see and experience will only cause us to have more surface-level communication. Here's a second level of communication, experts say, is the next level is general information. This is what we see in most homes across America. This is for the families that just pass each other in the kitchen, 
you know? And it's just your, it's your play-by-play. It's just your general information. You pass each other in the, the kitchen, and you're just like, okay, hold, hold on, wait, 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 okay. Uh, you got the kids today. Uh, hey, I'm going to work out after work. Uh, just the, the bullet points, you know? Hey, don't forget to pay that bill. Hey, uh, hey, my parents are coming in town this weekend. Don't forget. Hey, by the way, it's our anniversary today. Just general. You know, it's like, like just no, no debt. Just like, oh, just checklist. Boom, 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 right? We're, we're passing each other. And we're giving each other general info, and we've refused to go to a deeper level. Now, let me just help you today. My wife and I have, are coming up on 14 years of marriage, and so we're practically experts. Uh, but let me help you today. Uh, uh, for all the men in the room, I learned a very, very valuable lesson. There, there's a phrase I want to teach it to you, okay, that's going to help to deepen your relationships. This phrase, it's the most romantic four-word phrase you can ever use with your spouse. I promise you, you will have such a romantic evening if you learn these four words right here. And here it is, gentlemen, right here. Write this down. And then what happened? (laughs) It's going to take your relationship to a whole nother level right there. So learn that. I promise you, you're going to have an amazing night, all right? Romantic. We got to deepen our communication, learn to conversate and have a deeper communication so that we can achieve this next level, which is achieving these deep feelings, deep feelings. Why is this important? Because we all have feelings, okay? We all have feelings. What I've learned about feelings is they're not always right, but they are real. The feelings are real and they need to be acknowledged even if they're wrong. You know, one thing that I I find myself doing a whole lot, whether it's in marriages or businesses, is I mediate conversations. People in the community will call me and ask me to mediate conversations between businesses. So I mediate these conversations. And and one thing that I've learned through this is you have to acknowledge the other party's feelings because that cannot be refuted. They may be wrong, but they need to be acknowledged. Yeah, I understand that you think you're right, and you may be. However, these people are hurt, and you need to hear how they feel about this before you can see any sort of resolution. You have to acknowledge the feelings. I don't know if you've noticed this in your own family, but have you ever tried to tell your spouse or your kids how to feel? You tell them they're wrong and how they feel, and you tell them how they should feel? It doesn't work that way. You can't force people to feel a certain way. But instead, what happens is many of us refuse to share feelings, and here's why, because we don't want to provoke a negative response from the other person. So because in the past we've been hurt by sharing our feelings and the spouse or other part of the relationship didn't acknowledge it well, didn't respond well, now we're trained to not speak up and voice our feelings because we don't want to provoke a negative response. So what's happened is we've created these unsafe places in our marriages where we refuse to go deeper. We're not honest with each other. We're not telling each other how we feel. If this is the case in your marriage, you have some work to do. This is not a good place to be. What we see is that one spouse refuses to go there, refuses to share their feelings due to the fear of the response or reaction of the other spouse. And because of that, they remain at one or two, they remain at the surface level place and just share general information. They refuse to go deeper. That's the problem, and we have to acknowledge it, and we have to learn to share deep feelings so that we can experience this next level, the fourth level of communication, and that is a deep need. We've got to share deep needs with each other. Many of y'all think that's counseling. No, that's relationships. Many marriages never get here. Most marriages never get here. 
But we have to get here because the key to having a great marriage is when you fully understand your spouse's needs. Here's a little test for you in your marriage. I want you just to take a random guess later. I want you to write down your spouse's top five needs. And then how are you going to fulfill those five needs? See if you can do that. You both do it. Trade each other and see if you're at all in the ballpark. Most people can't even get one of their deepest needs on that piece of paper. I would say that the problem with this is it's a breakdown in communication in our relationships. The best marriage is when I am serving Allie's needs and she's serving my needs. We've communicated that. We know where we're at on that. And we're doing our best to serve each other's needs. I have to tell you, after these four, you might be thinking, I'm not doing too good. But I got to tell you, this is possible for you. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. We're all learning together. We're changing the way that we're thinking. And God is going to do a transforming work in our marriages and in our relationships, I promise you. All right. Talk about the four levels of relationships and these communication levels. Here's what I want to do now. The four levels uh, of barriers in communication. There's, there's four levels that we have, four barriers in communication, experts say. And here's the first thing they say. Here's a barrier for you. That's withdrawal. This is a, an automatic response for many people. It's where there's a breakdown in communication. There's an issue in the relationship. And the tendency is you just pull back and withdraw. You get out of there. Wh whether it be two, two different ways. Whether you vacillate, you get verbal, and you shut it down with your voice, or you just walk away physically and, and get away from there. You withdraw physically, get out. This is also known as the silent treatment. How many of y'all been there? How many of y'all are in the silent treatment right now, you know? <laughs> just like not looking at each other. I, I I, no one loves the silent treatment, but I, I think it's hilarious. We can laugh at it uh, because it becomes a game. <laughs> if you're in a relationship and you've had the silent treatment, you treat it like a game. First one to talk loses, and I ain't losing the day, you know? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? You're like upset at each other. You're mad. And so you're like laying on the other side of the bed, like sideways. You know, you're facing the wall. You're on the furthest possible point. You could be on the bed, you know. And heaven forbid your feet touch, you lose, you know. Like, <laughs> I heard a story about a couple that were in the silent treatment mode, right? And the husband uh, would, he competitive, refused to lose, but he had to catch a flight the next morning at 5 a.m. And so uh, he, he, he refused to talk to his wife, so he went in there and wrote on a sticky note and left it on his wife's counter on the bathroom, said, wake me up for my flight, I got to leave at 5 a.m., okay? He ain't, he ain't going to win, he, I'm not going to talk to her, you know, so I'm going to write down a little sticky note. Sure enough, he wakes up naturally at 9 a.m., and, uh, and he looks over on his bedside and sees a sticky note that said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> Silent treatment, it never works, but it's funny. All right, here's the second one. We see withdrawal, and then here's another barrier. We see, we see uh, escalation. This is where your tempers begin to flare up, and you get a little vocal. You get a little aggressive. By the way, this never works either. Have you ever heard the expression, even if you're right, but you communicate it wrong, you lose? Even if you're right and you say it the wrong way, you still lose. So I, I looked up some research on this, and I found that for men, when they get in this moment right here, they, they start to escalate in a fight, 
and their heart rate rises above 100 beats per minute, research shows that they lose all rational thinking. <laughs> and some of the wives like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's like, he must like live at 100, somewhere around there, you know? This is not going to work out for anyone. All right, here's the, here's the third one. And we see this a lot, belittling. Here's another major barrier in communication. In this one, you see all throughout our culture, we see it in relationships. It's when you and the other party are at this contentious point in a conversation. And instead of you going higher, which you, which you should do, just get out of it, elevate yourself away from it. Instead, you decide to go lower. And really what you try to do is you step on the other person so that you can be higher. So you're lowering the other person by stepping on them. That's belittling. This is when people become critical. They become insecure and they become critical. I am, instead of me dealing with my insecurity, I'm going to choose to control you so that I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to acknowledge what I'm really struggling with. This is what we see mostly in, uh, in our culture. We see this in Reddit, and we see it in politics, belittling, belittling, critical people. The people doing this belittling, they're just insecure, and they refuse to look within, so instead they outwardly critique others, belittling. And here's the last one, last barrier we see in relationships, and that's false belief. This is, this is the worst of them all. This is when it gets demonic and evil. Meaning this, your words can be used by the enemy and can become demonic and destructive. John 8 talks about how Satan is a liar and he's the father of all lies. So when the enemy tries to destroy you, he does so by creating lies against you and creating lies for you to believe and endorse. This is when you create a lie in your mind. The enemy plants it there. You begin to believe it. You say it so much, it becomes truth to you. But it was just a lie. That's demonic. And it's a barrier. We've got to do something about this. Communication is a real problem today. Let me just talk some theology for a second. Jesus saw this as one of the most important things that you can realize. And that is the power of your words. Your communication. In fact... This scripture is a strong scripture. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I want you to see how serious Jesus takes your words. Watch this out. Matthew 12, 31, and I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. Thank God for that. However, blasphemy against the spirit, words spoken against God will not be forgiven. I don't want to camp out too long on the theology here, but what I want you to see is that with our words, we have the power to commit the unpardonable sin, the one sin that he cannot forgive. Now, before you freak out and wonder, have I done this? I just want to affirm you as your pastor. If you're in the room today watching online, I promise you this is not you, okay? You would know if you are refusing God, all right? You would know if you're going against God. But then the verse continues. So he says, with your words, you can do the worst thing ever. You can, you can refuse God. You, it's the impartable sin. 
but hey, you're gonna have to give an account for your words too. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. And all the talkers are beginning to sweat. <laughs> for by your words, you will be acquitted. I love this. And by your words, you will be condemned. So my question is, are your words you're speaking, are they going to allow you to be acquitted or are they going to force you to be condemned? Your words are being documented. And by your words, when you get to heaven, you're either going to be acquitted or condemned. The point is this. Jesus takes our words very, very seriously. Communication is very serious to him. And here's the reality. Here's what we face today. Words, they are important and they've made us who we are today. You and I are who we are today because of the words that have been spoken to us and over us. The words that we've received, the words that we never received, and the words that we're still looking to receive made us who we are today. Now, for me personally, my mom and my dad have always spoke blessings over me. They've always told me that they were proud of me. They've always told me that they loved me. They never held that back, and because of that, I never went looking for affirmation or love anywhere else because I knew I had it with my parents. The role that we play as parents is so important. If you don't give love and affection to your kids, they're going to go looking for it somewhere else. But my parents still to this day, they still tell me how proud they are of me. They watch every single week. My dad calls me usually throughout the week, and he says it, says it every week. He says, son, I know I said it last week, but man, that was the best message you've ever preached, you know? <laughs> Got to have some parents like that. And then my mom, my mom has her own way. She's a writer. So she writes the emails. Uh, if you get the monthly email, she writes that. She's a writer. I kind of involve her that way. And she's a, so she sends me every week a, a bullet point list of my sermon, okay? And y'all don't, don't know my mom. My, mom is, my mom's like, you look tired. <laughs> don't ever wear white again. Like, that's my mom, right? If you, if you know my mom, that's how she, she's funny. She's like, that's where I get my sense of humor. And so she says these things, and then, then it kind of turns to like, oh, good point there, you know, and then you messed up the family. That's not how it went down. You're an idiot. Kind of, yeah, just kind of go down, right? That's my mom, right? And, but then she always ends it with, but I'm very proud of you, and I love you, and I know she really means it. And then this is a joke in the family, but she, and she always says, you're going to be the next Joel Osteen, <laughs> which I hear boos. Okay, let's not do that, but... I refuse that in Jesus' name. I'm not looking for that. But that's, that's my mom's way of saying how proud she is of me and how much she believes in me. I had mentors and, and coaches and friends who believed in me, told me that I was a great leader and that I was going to change the world one day. I had pastors who came into my life who saw potential in me, who encouraged me, who would hear the Lord on my behalf and tell me what God was saying about me. They spoke destiny, future, potential, purpose into my life. I even had a group of pastors at my last church. The last church that I was on staff at was a mega church, one of the largest in the country. I was a pastor there for seven years. And when I stepped out to plant, they put a, a you know, whatever, I was down for the process. They put a committee together of, of pastors and elders. And after they did an evaluation process of me and my ministry and my potential, I guess, they sat me down and I remember it specifically. I was at this big old boardroom table with a bunch of important people and they said, Jared, we have come to the conclusion that you're going to make an excellent senior pastor. <laughs> I don't know if I needed that or not, but that was pretty awesome to receive, you know? <laughs> Little things in life that have made me who I am today. My pastors, Jess and Steve, if you haven't met them yet, they're elders of our church 
but the words that they've spoken to me and to my life that have given me life. When I wanted to quit, when I was frustrated and upset, they would calm me down. They'd speak life into me. They'd give me the will to keep moving forward. Now, I'm sure as I say all this, you're probably thinking about the words that have been spoken over you, the words that have been spoken to you, all the people, all the words, all the communication that has made you who you are today. Words shape us. They make us and they also break us. I'm sure there are many here saying, man, I didn't have all that. That's not fair. And to you, I would say you're right. It's not fair. Yet the lack of words and encouragement that you had in your life still made you who you are today. You know, the third verse in the entire Bible, God looks at a world that is formless and void and he opened his mouth and he spoke to the darkness. He said, let there be light. With his words, he created the world that we now live in. And I would tell you today, with your words, you create the world that you live in. If you've been hurt, there is healing in Jesus' name. One thing we say is hurt people, hurt people. Don't be one of those hurt people who continue to hurt people because you never got healed. There is healing in Jesus' name. I'm trying to help you to see that your words have power. And they shape who you are. They shape the world that you live in. We must be people who speak life, who speak blessings, who speak purpose over people. We encourage one another. You see, communication is a gift, and we cannot squander it. So now that we've spent some time looking at some negative things, the levels of communication, the barriers, I want to take some time to close up my message as we look at the positive. We'll look at some practical things that we can do to apply to our communication skills to grow in these relationships. I've learned if you want to change the way that we communicate, and if we want to work on this, it's going to take this really, really important word. It's going to take intentionality. You want to see some things change in your life, you've got to be intentional. It's not going to happen overnight. And it's not going to happen by you not trying. You've got to be intentional. So I'm going to close my message out with this. I'm going to give you seven, real quick, seven ways you can have a better and more effective communication in your relationships. All right? So here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. We're going to praise. Praise. We're going to praise one another. If you're in a relationship today, if you want your relationship to grow, learn to do this, to praise one another. Not in the way that we praise God. God's worthy of his own praise. But praise means this. We're going to find qualities in each other, and we're going to highlight them. We're going to let them know how great that is in them. Look at your spouse. Look into your spouse. Find some things that you see in them and call it out. The good, okay? This part, I'm going to just focus on the good, okay? Don't call out the bad. We're focusing on the good. We're going to praise the good, all right? One thing I've learned from a former mentor is how to do this, and he would call this sugar packets, okay? So I'm just going to show you today what this looks like. Not mints, okay? <laughs> sugar packets. Now you know where, yeah, oh, I have two. All right, I can just do one. Sugar packets. I had a mentor who would uh, take me and some guys and some gals, and we would sit at a table, and uh, anybody ever had like a highly, highly hyper relational person in their life? Like they just want to talk about their feelings and stuff, you know? That was this guy. He was a, he was a mentor of mine and a boss at times. And, and, and we'd, we'd, go to, we'd, go to, um, we'd go to lunch and he, and, and, and he just would, he would, you know, sugar packets and I'm calling it sweet and low today, but he would take that, the little, you know, cup of it and stick it in the middle of the table and say, everybody take some sweet and low packets. And so we'd all take some and I'm like, what are we doing here? And, and he would... What he would encourage us to do is just take a few and look at somebody in the, in the circle and just, just give them a, a sugar packet and, and call some things out. 
And, and I, I learned to do that, and, and just to kind of show you, I'll just do it today. This is not rehearsed. I'm always like, who am I going to call out? But I did this last service, and I made someone cry. <laughs> Cash, take a sugar packet. Cash, I, you have been a friend for a long time. Many of you guys don't even know, but we honestly started Zayo Church in his chiropractic studio. Uh, we had our first meetings there. But Cash has been loyal. He's been faithful. And uh, Cash, I see what you do. You're, you're, you're in the healing business. The chiropractor is there to help people. And Cash, you've always been uh, healing people, but you've also been healing us and our relationships. You've been one of the first people that joined uh, Zayo as just a member, and you've believed in us, even when I didn't want to believe in myself. You, we go to lunches and have good, good, good connections. And even, even as we were at Daddy Daughter Dance, I just I looked at you and Charlie, your youngest, and I just couldn't believe, man, she feels like she was born yesterday and she's now three. And I just, I just want to call out that you're a man of God and that you lead your family well. And I, and I think you're a blessing to the community. And I just want to thank you for all that you do. And I love you, brother. Okay. That's like a, and that's not rehearsed. That's not my note. That's a genuine connection, like sugar packets. I think we need to do this in our relationships. We need to call some things out in each other, love on each other, encourage them, praise them. Proverbs 25, 11 says this, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Words are beautiful. They're valuable. When you speak blessings over people, you're adding value. You're attributing beauty to somebody. If you want to give, you don't have a place to do this. I want to talk just for a second. Next week is Life Track. After service, we hold a Life Track. If you want to get involved and serve here and become a member, you can come to Life Track. But right before Life Track, right after service, we're going to have a serve fair. Where if you want to join any sort of team and lead and serve on the weekends, you just come to our fair, and we're going to have our hospitality team out there, and kids team, and youth team, and worship band. If you want to get serve, you want to start serving. We want to get you involved. But if you're kind of looking for a place to serve, may I suggest the kids ministry? Here's why: kids are so impressionable, and and, and all week. People, kids, are speaking to them. They're receiving so much all week. And they come here on Sunday, and we have a chance to speak into them. Even if they're not receiving love and affirmation and affection from their parents, we get to do it here at Zayo. I love our team. Pastor Grant does a great job leading our team. But I just encourage you, if you want to exercise this, a place to serve in this, what better place to speak into the kids of the next generation are our Zayo kids. That, that we can look them in the eye and say, son, I believe in you. You're a world changer. I don't care what the world says, does. I believe in you. God loves you. I mean, to have that as a kid, maybe for you, you can even think back to your younger years. Maybe you were in church and you had a, a leader speak into you like that and it stood with you all these years. You have that chance to make that impression on kids. I want you to serve. I want you to be involved. But kids is a great place to do that. So we're going to praise each other. Here's the second thing. To have more effective communication, we're going to give thanks. It should be our goal to be more and more grateful every day. If, if you're at this place, you're becoming less and less grateful, you've got to change your attitude. We need to be more and more grateful for all that God has done, to see that we've been blessed, to see that God is for us, not against us. We can give thanks to others. Try this next time you go out to eat. I don't know you probably tip people, everybody does that, but pull your waiter or waitress aside, look them in the eyes and say, thank you. Thank you for serving me today and my family. I'm pretty involved in the community and what I've learned is this, most of the servers in our area drive at least 45 minutes to come to work. 
They get paid very little, and as you've experienced, we're very, very short-staffed at most of our restaurants. It's a big problem within our community that we're actively talking about. So, so what we can do is have a chance to not be entitled and go, where's my food? Where's the service? i got to wait 30 minutes to get seated. But instead, when we do get seated and we do get our food, we can pull them over and say, thank you for working so hard. I saw that today. I just want to say you're doing a great job. Thank you for serving us today. I mean, that heart-to-heart connection to give thanks. You want to try something else? Today, here's a challenge. Why don't you try to say thank you 10 times today? It's the Super Bowl. I mean, like, you know, you're going to be saying thank you a lot. I mean, I don't know if there's touch that. Thank you, God. No. Say it to each other. Say it to each other. Find, find, find a way to say thank you 10 times today. If you're married, try to say thank you twice to your spouse today. Find something to thank them for, even if you're digging, okay? Find something. Here's, here's, here's something that I want you to remember. Now, you can write this down. Speak things that are not as though they were. Speak things that are not as though they were. Speak things into existence. That's the power of your words. Your spouse is ungrateful and entitled. Begin to thank them for sitting on the couch and doing nothing around the house, okay? <laughs> well, let's find something else to thank them, I promise you. Like, find something else that they do do, thank them for that, and watch them get off the couch and begin to do things around the house. Proverbs 18, 21 through 22 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. There's power in your next breath, church. Okay, watch this. The very next verse, and he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. That seems misplaced. (laughs) The very next verse, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it eat of its fruits. He who (laughs) finds a wife finds what is good and receives from the Lord. It seems misplaced, but I think there's a correlation there. For those that are single in the room, your words can lead to your future spouse. Your words are important. We're going to praise. We're going to give thanks. The third thing we're going to do, we're going to show affection. Many people have gotten to this place where they can't even say, I love you. They can't even say, I'm proud of you. They can't use affectionate words anymore because they've been hurt. Affection and terms of endearment are critical for a relationship. And if they're not taking place, your relationship is probably suffering. Have you heard the expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? They don't care until they hear it from your mouth. You can show it all you want, but they got to hear it. The reason you might be fighting much in your relationship is because you're forgetting to love much. Let's love and the fighting will go away. You see, love and affection are way more fun than fighting and bickering, I promise. It'll lead to a better night. It's easier to to love than it is to fight. So why is this so important? It's because this is the way that God loves us. Jeremiah 31, 3 says this. This is God saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I want to do two things before I continue. First, I want you to hear that God loves you. God loves you today. He's loved you yesterday. He'll love you tomorrow. Regardless if you believe it or not, all throughout scripture, you can't refute it. And just because you can't receive it doesn't mean it's not extended to you. God loves you regardless if you're receiving that or not today. And the second thing I want to do is this. I want to tell you that as your pastor, I love you. I get to be 
your shepherd and your pastor, it's the greatest honor and privilege that I have. And whether you believe it or not, I think about you every day. I'm probably in the top list of people in your life, honestly, that think about you and pray for you every single day. I pray for you. I talk to God on your behalf every day. And I just think you're the, the greatest church on the planet. I'm so honored to pastor this church. You're generous, you're serving, you're loving people. And I just want to say I love you. I mean that. I really do. You're welcome. We're going to show some affection. Here's the fourth thing. We're going to offer up encouragement. Find someone who's discouraged and without hope and without some courage, and we're going to put some courage into them. We're going to encourage them. And the world that we live in that is taking away courage, we need some encouragement. Ephesians 4, 29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen. Everything that comes out of your mouth either builds someone up or tears someone down. You get to pick which one it's doing. I think it's so important in our marriages, but it's most important with our kids. I don't ever acknowledge the wrong that my kids do. I remind them instead of who they are, not what they did. I don't say, kid, you're an idiot. What are you thinking? You're a moron, which is what most parents do. They just beat their kids up with the words. Instead, I say, hey, let me remind you who you are. You're a leader. People follow you. You're a world changer. You're called by God. You have a plan and purpose for your life. You're the head and not the tail. I'm speaking blessing, purpose, destiny to my kids, not tearing them up with words. I especially do this when I pray for them at night. You want just some parenting tips here? This is what I do. I sit down with my kids. I tell them at night. I tell them how much I love them. I tell them how proud I am of them. And then I acknowledge something that they did that day that was positive. And then I begin to speak purpose and destiny. I call these things out in their life. And then I pray over them. And a key I learned years and years ago, whenever you pray for your kids overnight, pray a blessing. God, I bless my son, my daughter tonight. Lay your hands on them. Pray a blessing over them. This is, I mean, this is, we're trying to offer encouragement. What a great place in your kids. All right, so we're going to give thanks, show affection, offer encouragement. Here's the, the fifth one. We're going to be kind. What is kindness? Who knows? <laughs> this world does not show it anymore. This, is, this one is out the window. No one knows how to be kind anymore. Meaning this, we're going to create a safe env environment for the people around us. Like, you have full control of the environment that you create. When someone's around you, do they feel safe? How you create a safe environment is by using your words to create that safe environment. Not allowing any unwholesome, vile talk to come out of your mouth, but instead creating a safe place for those around you. You know, kindness is considered weakness today in today's culture. It's non-existent. But, but if you really think about it, you never have to apologize to someone for being kind. <laughs> but when you're caught up in a bad moment and you get angry with your spouse or your kids, you usually gotta go back and make that right. You will never wish you were meaner, more vengeful in a conversation. <laughs> but you will always wish you were more kinder and gentler. Own the environment of the home. You have full control of it. Create a safe place for your family using your words. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Six. The sixth way we can have some better communication, speak truth and love. We're almost done. 
Ephesians 4, 15 says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. You've heard the expression, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. You know, I've never led someone to the truth by being angry and yelling at them. Which is why I don't understand arguments. I'm gonna yell at you, tell you how stupid you are to believe in what you believe in, hoping that you're gonna go, oh, I should start believing what you believe in. It never works. It never works. I mean, if you hate them so much, why lead them to the truth anyways? Wouldn't you wanna leave them alone to suffer? When you love someone, they deserve the truth, but they're only gonna receive the truth when it's delivered out of love. The Bible said that Jesus was full of truth and grace. We need to be firm on what we believe. However, we give grace to those who don't believe in what we believe in, grace and truth. And when we do that, talk about grace and truth, I wanna show you this. Truth without grace, it's coming up here, is mean. Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless, but here's the deal, truth and grace is medicine. They belong together. Here's the final one as we wrap this thing up. The seventh most important one we're gonna do in relationships here. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray. I think it's a great one to end on because we're saying, we're gonna give this to the Lord. If there's an issue in one of your relationships today, pray about it. Give it to the Lord. Here's something you can try to do. This is gonna be hard to do, but when you're struggling with your spouse, or a relationship that's meaningful to you, stop and pray about it. Like stop, hold the hands of the people around you and pray about it. Give the situation over to God. I know this can be intimidating or awkward, but here's what I don't understand. How will God ever come and save your marriage if you never go to God together and pray for God to come and save your marriage? If you want God to intervene in your marriage, you gotta invite him and you gotta invite him together. Pastor Dustin is so good at this. Um, in, in our relationship, I go to him a lot. And I, I had a terrible week. Anybody else have a terrible week? Just one of those weeks that you're glad it's Sunday, like we're moving on. I had a terrible week. And um, something was done to me. And, and I, I uh, called Pastor Dustin, venting to him. And, and I got a couple things I think I can do to this person. Like, you know, it was very un, unpastoral, by the way. Um, <laughs> very ungodly. I go there too, y'all. Um, I'm frustrated. I'm fed up. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm trying to think of some things I can do to this person. And as I'm waiting for the response of like, yeah, we could gang up, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I got, <laughs> so I'm waiting for like the, he just goes, God, come to you right now <laughs> and we give this situation over to you Father we know that our earthly desire is to see vengeance but God we're surrendering this to you it's not what I was looking for <laughs> we need some friends like that when we're frustrated we're angry we're fed up I, I'm Pastor Jared and I don't want to pray right now I have a friend who's going to pray with me See, when you involve God, your heart begins to change. And I believe God's heart towards you begins to change as well.
because you've said, God, I trust this with you. Church, you can have a better and more effective communication in your relationships with these seven. I want to, I just believe there's some ministry that needs to be done. I want to pray for you for a second. I want you to just bow your heads where you're at and we'll get you out of here. I know you've got a brisket on the smoker, but don't rush out just yet. I want to pray first for those who have been hurt by words. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just release healing and freedom into the room. Any curse, any word, any spell that was spoken over us, we just refuse that, we reject it in the name of Jesus. Anyone who spoke ill will over us, over our families, over our marriages, over our kids, right now we release healing in Jesus' name. Father, may we not hold on to these words that have been spoken over us, but instead may we just give them over to you so that we can move forward in our life. And I want to pray right now for our words that we speak, that we would be able to use our words for life and not death. Right now in the name of Jesus, Father, I just declare that we have the power to speak life. Thank you that you gave us that, that we could be an extension of your kingdom. We're gonna be an extension of you, Jesus, that we can speak love and blessing and life over people today in the name of Jesus. May our next breath be a breath of life and not death. May we be known as people who lift up and encourage one another, not tear down and insult one another. And finally, I just wanna pray for those who have never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been here for a while and today, it's a great day on Super Bowl Sunday to remember the day that you surrendered your heart to Jesus. I think it's important to have a spiritual birthday, a day that you remember. This is an easy one. On, on Super Bowl Sunday, I gave my heart to Jesus. If that's you today, if you've never made a decision to give your heart to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to declare that you follow Jesus, I just want to let you today, invite you to pray that prayer, to surrender to Him, to give Him full control of your life. Whether you have never done this before or you want to rededicate today, today's a great day. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. You can pray this to him. Just say, Jesus, right where you're at. Just pray this to him. Say, Jesus, today I give you my heart. I follow you with my life. I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me from death, hell, and the grave. And I choose to follow you the rest of my life. I, I give you my heart today, Jesus.